Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. This show is for veterans, first responders, and their families, and honestly, for anybody who wants to recover from trauma. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Our vision is of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please help with this mission by following and rating this show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This simple action will help others find help for PTS injuries. Your help in promoting this podcast could be saving a life. Hello, all you beautiful souls. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. For the last few years, I have been taking the time for myself for the ultimate self-care, which is wind therapy on my motorcycle. I don't want to ride no pickle. I just want my motorcycle. Don't worry, I won't sing again. And today on the show from the Rolling Barrage, I got harm. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Thanks for joining me, big guy. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Well, uh, let's start with why did you do this such a silly thing by taking the reins of the rolling barrage? That is a big, big job, man. What the hell were you thinking? I uh, it yeah. Um, what was I thinking? Apparently, I wasn't. No, um, honestly, it was it was a calculated thought on taking it over. So I've been riding with TRB since the very first year uh, in 2017. Uh, I was just going Quebec to Ontario and back and riding with another group on the way back home to Ottawa. Um, Did that for a couple of years. And then uh, I fell in love with this ride the first day, Uh, first leg, the first stop. uh, It was something about it that just was not quite understood uh, but there was just this magic piece behind it, and I couldn't understand it. And then by the end of that first day, maybe halfway through that first day, I met a few people. Uh, two of them became brothers, uh, literally, um, that are like we're, we're, we're super tight friends. Uh, and then it became every repetitive year was a an add-on to that family. Um, of course, I got to know Scott Casey very well. He was the founder of TRB. Um originally uh and scott was uh doing a phenomenal phenomenal job with this i can't take any credit he was the one that put this together and in 2020 i volunteered to help out and organize some fly pass you know i'm in the air force for a day job so it's uh, uh i have a little bit of background in uh getting some of the stuff set up and i've got a bit more of a national mindset again from my job and from some of the other stuff i've done in my lifetime so offered some help. Scott turned and said, hey, no problem. Uh, about a week before kickstands up in Halifax, I'm getting ready to roll. Uh, we're going to go from Halifax to Ottawa. And he pings me on the shoulder and says, uh, look, Harm, we're coming on year four here. I could really use some help. How'd you like to take it over? And I, I can't describe how impactful TRB has been for myself. Uh, I brought my wife on board. She rides her own bike as well. Uh, she's an Afghan vet. Uh, uh, did two tours of Afghanistan as a medic. Um, she's got PTSD. I knew this ride would be significant for her, um, especially with the bonds that it builds. Scott's just given so much to everybody with this ride. I couldn't really say no. I mean, he's a friend and he's uh, a mentor now with uh, with taking over. And he said, you know, can you handle taking over? And I said, 
you know what? Let me check my work schedule. I'll see what I can do. And my, my work schedule allowed for me doing the planning aspect of it. So I took it over and then, uh, uh, it started going and then come April, the original foundation that we were riding for, uh, couldn't maintain the mission. It was more about us than them. Uh, they were having internal uh, things that they needed to refocus and regroup on themselves, and they decided to shut down, and it was our third quarter of planning, and if we were going to keep this going, we had to step up and become our own foundation. So on the fifth year, in the third quarter of planning, the uh, rolling barrage sorry, came. Sorry, Paul, I, rolling... I just got to pause you for a second. Whatever that fan uh, that was on is back on again. <laughs> it's got to be the cooling fan for the computer. I can't do anything about it. Oh, that's uh, all right. We'll just we'll just roll forward. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I I, I tried, but it's uh, you know maybe I can fan it as I talk. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so but, yeah, we. Uh, I'll try it to be a little clearer, but um, I took it over, and then we in April twenty uh, ninth of two thousand twenty one. Uh, we became the Rolling Barrage PTSD Foundation, and for our fifth year, became our first year at the same time. So we're we've just cycled our first year. We're coming up on year two for the foundation, and year six for the ride. And that's the nutshell of why I jumped on board was to help Scott, let him get back to doing some of the other things that he needed to do. And this ride's just too important not to be a part of it or to be doing what we're doing. So it was throttle up and do it, and. Fortunately, there's a lot of good people I've got helping me with this. It's not all me. It's not uh, any one particular person. Um, we've had some others join into the fray. There's about 30 people that work behind the scenes. Uh, we've got three directors, uh, uh, myself and two others. Uh, uh, and without them, this wouldn't happen. So I couldn't do it if it was just a one-person band. It would have It would have collapsed. And... Uh, you get burned out really quick in this job. So, but now, as we progress, we're starting to we're starting to make things happen more and more, and getting it planned, and it's it's just better every year. So, there, there's two main functions to the rolling barrage. Part one mm-hmm. is the wind therapy of the actual participants, the healing properties of the ride itself, which we'll get into um, after the my first question first, <laughs> which is. Sure. Um, it's also a fund right raiser, which is the second uh, part of it. So the funds raised by the Rolling Barrage through um, both donations and rider registration, where do those funds go and how do you decide? So it's an excellent question. We, we, we've really taken a solid look at how we're going to uh, progress and get the right therapy out there. There's a lot of grassroots foundations and organizations out there and they all try to do a good job. A lot of them do a very good job, but it's just non-standardized. And we, we took a look and we said, we saw a few things that we were concerned about uh, in other areas. And we said, no, we're not going to make that mistake. So what we've done is uh, we've aligned ourselves with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So that's essentially how we take a look at who's going to get what. And it's basically a little pyramid about what needs you need to survive. And, uh, we focus a little bit more on the bottom to center. Uh, of course, if somebody's struggling, doesn't even have a place to live, we're gonna we're gonna go into that. Um, our target focus is retired and serving members of the Canadian Forces, uh, first responders, emergency service providers, 
the uh, and the safety committee our community at large in Canada. So basically, anybody who's acquired PTSD from the service to Canada or her communities is who we try to help. We use Maslow's needs to try and uh, to try and put funding into programs that meet that scale. Uh, we don't do the therapy ourselves. We're not therapists. We're not clinicians. We're not a therapy organization. Uh, we're not for profit right now. We will be aiming for charity status in the future um, as soon as we can get through all the, the hoops that we need to do with Revenue Canada. Um, so where does that go, that money? There's, if you look at our website on the donations page, it's very clear and does a, a better job than I can describe on, on where everything uh, fits in. But essentially, um, that's where we're trying to take it and, and get that help out there with uh, various programs that are out there. There is a win therapy piece to what we do. Uh, there's a camaraderie piece. This ride and how it differs from other fundraising rides is it's a pilgrimage. It's 20 days to cross the country from about three weeks, 21 some uh, some years, 20 others, uh, to get from Halifax to Vancouver. And in that, there is an amazing bond that happens between the riders. Usually about day three is where you see that magic happen. And that's who we ride for. That's who we ride with. Uh, we also help the spouses uh, of those people who uh, who had served too, there's there's avenues for that. So last year we raised uh, about just shy of sixty five thousand dollars in just donations. Uh, there was other uh, administrative uh, income and merchandise income that we did, and that goes back into growth or into uh, uh, into a few of the uh, costs that it takes to to get this to happen from insurance to whatever. But the main funding comes from donations, and it goes out if it's donated to us. If it's not specified goes right into the programs to help. If it's specified, we put it to where that specification wants by who by the donor. Um, so, so tell me it. about some of the recipients of of the money, some of the, sure. some of the some of the programs that you've been supporting. So we've done uh, we've we've given uh, money to Campraxis. We uh, supported a, in Alberta. I believe you're in Calgary, correct, or just That's outside right. Calgary? Yep. Area? Yeah. J- just south. So okay, so we donated to Campraxis. Uh, we gave to a uh, uh, a service dog uh, uh, group as well uh, in Nova Scotia. We helped out with um, getting uh, peer support training provided to uh, Rally Point Retreat in uh, on the south shore of Nova Scotia. They're uh, they're another grassroots uh, organization that tries to have uh, a retreat for uh, people that are suffering, just to have a a place to go and calm themselves and to get away and just to focus on themselves and healing so we did that um we gave to uh, some food banks there's a lot of homeless uh veterans and first responders that are out there when they're when they when that struggle gets big and they find themselves on their own um you need food so we've done some food banks that's the hat uh, i'm wearing say again that's the hat i'm wearing right now one of the two awesome, awesome amazing food banks in calgary for veterans okay Fantastic. So we did that. We uh, we provided money to um, uh, acquire some meditation devices called the Muse S. So we were able to garner a buying leverage through our organization, and we provided uh, 32 uh, in Nova Scotia 
Uh, we, we provide stuff all the way across. Honestly, the, the pie is quite large uh, in the organizations, and uh, the financial officer has all those breakdowns. I have to go by memory, unfortunately, so I'll him and Han, I'll bounce around. But one of our biggest contributions that we did this year was for 32 first responders with these uh, Muse S headbands, um, 30 RCMP and two firefighters uh, from the region that had the shooting last uh, the other year. Um, there was a lot of hard times for those folks out there, and we teamed up with another organization who was having uh, a recognition ceremony for them uh, using Quilts of Valor and a few other uh, 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 gift uh, giftings, and they had approached us to help out. You know, can you pass some T-shirts? And we thought, you know what, let's let's do something real, and let's get them something that can provide immediate help. So we went with the Muse S headbands, and that made a very, very large impact uh, out in Nova Scotia. So those are just a few of the examples that we that we do. There is a lot more. Um, our annual financial report, our first annual, will be coming out shortly, and that'll have the breakdown of exactly what we did. And we're transparent and open and honest. So as soon as we get all of our ducks in a row with uh, Corporations Canada, that'll be. A, up on our website or available to those who need it to see exactly what we did. Now, for the participants themselves, I'd like to try mm-hmm. to explore between the two of us here if we can figure out what the secret sauce is. All I know is that it works. Uh, yeah. My stepdaughter, after I, I'd spent five or six days on the ride, um, she commented, I mean, my face was different. Everything was different. I was radiating. I was, I was yeah. truly smiling, not forced smiling. And, uh, and she said to me, you're just so different. Like you're just, I've never seen you so happy, genuinely happy. And, uh, which was kind of hard to hear. It's like, Oh, this is, this is rare. <laughs> That's not good, you know, but, um, it, it is a reset that, uh, I certainly felt and, and it lasted, you know, that, that healing reset of, so what do you think the secret sauce is right now? Being part of a tribe that is full of like-minded people that understand what you're going through. It's not even, like, I mean, it allows you to have that human vulnerability. Um, it, you know, as, as you saw, like, if, when you rode with us, uh, the morning briefs and how we stand for each other and that, what we do when we say in that uh, morning dedication and uh, just that person who can listen. I'm Air Force. I fix airplanes for a living. Um, right now, I'm involved in policy and other stuff. Uh, I don't, I'm not even turning wrenches at the moment. Um, there's others that have served in combat. There's others that have served in, uh, in ships. There's others that have done all sorts of things. There's police officers and firefighters that run into burning buildings or into shootings. Uh, uh, paramedics that are, you know, uh, all over. Uh, hacking gone on a moment's notice and uh, working with people in the final moments of their life or trying to do the best they can to keep them alive. Uh, dispatchers who, uh, you know, unsung heroes in the background that uh, help with trying to get that communication to find out exactly what that, uh, that call is needed. Uh, sometimes listening to that moment's most terrible anguish to their last moments uh, before help can arrive. We, it doesn't matter what you do, there is a kindred connection that we understand. I might not have been through what you've been through, 
directly, but I sure as heck can empathize with some of the things that have happened in my career, even if it isn't bullets or it's not a fire or it's not something uh, big ticket. It's, there's still aspects to it that we can understand and our, our life of service is where that comes from. You're, you're dedicating yourself to a line, a flight line, uh, a thin blue line, a thin red line, a thin white line, however, however you consider that you're out there and you're putting yourself service before self, literally. And you're doing things that go against a person's normal moral compass. You're not designed to go that way. And your brain needs a way to heal. We understand that. So we can talk about that. And we, and it's that allowing that vulnerability and it's that kindred partnership in a tribe that uh, during a pilgrimage where you're going across probably the most beautiful country in the world uh, for 20 days and just allowing your brain and all those things to just kind of chill out. And I I think that's the secret sauce. It's not one aspect of it. It's like a Heinz 57. Um, There's so many different, or the, the, the 42 herbs and spices of whatever. I don't know what, how you want to call it. There's not one particular thing to it, but it's definitely that, that collection of that gels that makes it special. And I think part of it is the white noise itself. You know, uh, I rarely, if ever, I'm playing tunes when I'm riding on the bike. I prefer the yep. sound of the road and the wind. And mm-hmm. that white noise uh, does a great deal into just um, uh, chilling you out. The only thing that you're really focused on is you, the ride, and if you got a nice straight open stretch, uh, you're alone with your thoughts, contemplating this, that, and the other. It's very, very meditative. And that being unplugged where you're not looking at your phone because you can't. So you're not pecking away at your phone, uh, checking Facebook likes and updates or or any of that. So there's a digital detox uh, portion of it as well. Um, And and then on top of that, I've been saying and for a while, and the more I do this show, the more I realize that it's correct, that PTSD is an injury of disconnection, of disassociation with and disconnection from yourself and from others. The rolling barrage gets you in touch with yourself because of all that uh, wind therapy time that you're getting on the bike, alone with your thoughts, without without any distractions. So the meditative aspect of it gets you in touch with yourself. And the uh, being with that pack of riders, there's something about it that feels like a big patrol, you know, where uh, everybody's got the heavy iron rolling down the road, and there's something very, very safe and binding about that. So you have this the strength of community. So you're attached, you're reconnected with both yourself and a community that uh, makes sense to you, other wounded veterans and first responders. And I don't really draw a differentiator between first responders and veterans. The more I do this show, the more I realize we're, we're really the same. The, the, the modalities yeah. of uh, trauma are, are different, but we're really the same. Uh, we're both people that put ourselves at risk, that uh, see things that uh, most people don't want to even believe exists. And we've seen it, we've done it, and you can't unsee it and you can't undo it. So that we have that common bond, I think. Uh, I, I fully agree, and that's uh, that's all evident when you spend three weeks on the road with people and you hear those stories and you hear the hurt, you hear the healing, uh, you see the healing, 
you can, you know, it becomes very tactile. Um, the other factor too that has a uniqueness to this is PTSD. One of the symptoms is hypervigilance. Yeah, and it's very tough to operate day to day when you're hypervigilant. Everything is just triggered, and you're on point all the time, and you can't, you, you can't. I don't want to say download, but you can't even uh, de-stress or uh, just get that that point out. Motorcycling, of course, hypervigilance is a tool, and you need it to survive on a bike. Your head has to be on a swivel. You have to be in touch with the bike. You have to understand what's happening with the road. You're feeling the elements. You're smelling the elements. You're actually tasting the elements uh, and the things that surround you. So <laughs> and the occasional bee that bounces off your teeth. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Tasting the diesel exhaust from the truck you go by, yeah. uh, you know, or just the smells of uh, of the pines as you go through, or the prairies, or the ocean, or whatever part of the country that you're rolling through. So there's there's that piece to it. So that hypervigilance now is something that you can use where it's normally a detractor is something that you can use in a positive manner and help make that reassociation. Uh, like you said, it's a very dissociative injury, so it helps you to re uh, reassociate. Being in touch with the senses that's and, and your environment, your surroundings, that's one of the skills that they try to work with when you're healing in PTSD. Well, being on a bike gives you that immediate. And those factors and the riding helps to increase the resilience, but also it's that it's that tribe around you, those those other people, regardless of what whether you wore a uniform or scrubs or civilian clothes to work. Uh, but you still gave and served and got hurt. There's still that 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 kindred bond, and I, I think that helps to build that resilience. And there's uh, those factors. I think that's that's probably the the that latent secret sauce that you're that you're looking for. It's it's something in there, and I can't describe it. I'm 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 not that good. So. <laughs> I think you did just fine, Paul. And uh, for, for those that want to join the ride, uh, do people have to be expert riders? Can beginners join? We have riders of all experience levels. Um, it is a group ride uh, and a large group ride. So we've got people that have ridden for decades. I mean, I started as a kid riding dirt bikes all the way through to, uh, to, to major group riding. And a major group riding being 10 bikes or more in a pack uh, or a packet and broken up. And it's not, it's not easy riding, but it's not overly difficult. We do a lot of work to make sure that we make it as safe as we can. Um, but you are in a big group. So the experience levels that we have are intermixed. We have a road team that uh, helps out with leading and tail gunning and keeping the pack together and, waste gunning it's not so much for a blocking aspect but more command control of the bikes and the packet themselves and making that thing if the pack splits up you've got other people that can lead you and you can just kind of worry about the bike in front and behind you and to the side and worry about yourself and ride your own ride well in so, the there's been about forty thousand kilometers if i'm doing the math right of of the barrage since it started and in forty thousand kilometers of riding uh probably more more like 50 but in, in all those kilometers of riding, there hasn't been one pileup. There's been a couple of people, uh, a little parking lot scuffle, and 
last year. There's been incidents, sure. Let's let's you know we, little, we, can't, little, we can't hide that. You're going to ride with yeah, that many bikes, not many stuff. There's going to yeah, be things little, that happen. Little, little incidents, but no big pileups. No, we haven't had a we haven't you know in knock on whatever yeah. uh, to keep that trend going. Uh, but honestly, uh, we, we've we've run into a few instances on the road where it, we've had some dicey situations. Um, but on the same token, we do the best that we can to make sure that that happened. We had amazing help from the RCMP last year to uh, go coast to coast with police escorts and help mitigate some of those risks. Um, but yes, experience is a key. Group riding is a key. Uh, if you don't have it, our big thing is as long as you identify that you don't have that experience, we have a few ways to mitigate that, including, like I said, we've got waste gunners in there to help make smaller packets if we need to, uh, instead of the one big training, but it depends on what the dynamic of that ride in that area is on how we do that. So we've got a few things that we have in place to help with that. Um, we do ask that if you, you don't have a lot of experience in heavy group rides, you let us know so that we can stage you in the in the right part of the pack and uh, make sure that you've got the buffer that you need to be uh, uh, that extra margin. And we have we have some buffer zones built in. And if you're a new rider, I would suggest, and uh, I mean, please contradict me if you disagree, but um, if you're a newer rider, just don't go from Okotoks to Vancouver. You know, <laughs> uh, that, that's that is, pr- that's probably I, the the worst spot uh, because of all the tight turns in the mountains and the speed. Uh, if you are a new rider, uh, sticking you know anything but <laughs> anything but Okotoks to I, uh, Vancouver. I, I I can't necessarily deny. I can neither confirm nor deny that aspect of it. <laughs> um, the, the 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 simple fact and what I would recommend to anybody is we got kickstands up in about eighty six days. There's lots of time to get out on whatever ride you have and do some parking lot drills. Um, there's a lot of agencies out there. There's You can seek out training. I'm not saying to go out and drop thousands of dollars, but you know a few hundred dollars can get you a very good skills course for riding at low speed, tight conditions so that you can handle that bike and be more confident on it. Um, nothing beats miles in the saddle. Uh, to get out in the twisties and learn how your bike is going to handle. There's advanced courses for cornering. There's lots of stuff on YouTube. There's lots of things that you can do to help uh, further that uh, that piece. Education is the key. Well, every rider uh, knows miles the, is the key. Every rider knows the windy roads in their neighborhood. You know, yeah. in Edmonton, everybody knows the two or three spots you can go where you can actually find a nice windy road that all the bikes line up and they hit the same windy road. So what yeah. I would suggest is uh, find that windy road and practice single track riding. So there's two tracks on every lane. Pick one track and don't drift from that track. So practice staying in a single track on a windy road and practice that all damn day long and if you can manage it so you don't drift from um uh, from track to track within that lane uh then you've got it nailed if you can stay in one track consistently in a windy road then you're ready for the mountains that's pretty decent advice um that's definitely a good skill there's uh there's other things that you need to be conscious of too as you ride and don't get overwhelmed by the scenery. It's very easy to just be lost in the beauty of what you're riding through. And you've got to remember you're only a couple seconds or one second in around the bikes around you. So you might want to try to keep that focus. Last year going to the coast was great. Coming back by myself was even better. 
because I didn't have to worry about everybody else. I could pick my spot on the road where there's nobody near me, and then I could actually look around and look at all the forest fires, (laughs) 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 of which there was quite a few on the way back. And um, uh, that that was something else. There's a couple of spots where I could feel the heat. I could see the flames like, ooh, bust out the marshmallows. And uh, it, it was a hell of a... It's a very different ride when I was by myself on the way back, but I enjoyed that too. Well, BC's my home, and forest fires are no rare occurrence. My family, uh, <laughs> or my immediate family, lives out in uh, Kelowna, so they're they're right in the midst of it. My mom and dad are out there, and uh, I grew up in Vancouver. There's lots of times that we've been through the through the backwoods of BC, and for me, every time I I get to Calgary and I can see those uh, those those foothills and knowing that I'm hitting the mountains, I start relaxing. It starts becoming more getting back to home. So I look forward to that. And of course the Okotoks thing, I can't say don't do the Okotoks ride because that's probably one of the most uh, one spectacular, of most incredible arrivals that we have across this country. Um, except for the fact that last year we had a whole bunch of those, you know, we had Nipawa, Manitoba, we had, uh, uh, Momini in Quebec. We had, Places in Ontario where so we were what we're talking about right welcome. now for the audience, I think the audience might have uh, not quite caught it. Um, Okotoks for the last few years has been a standout for the reception, uh, Calgary yep. Okotoks, but especially Okotoks. So right now I'm putting out a, uh, a challenge to all the municipalities that the barrage is going to be rolling into. Who can put on the best welcome wagon? Because right now I think uh, <laughs> if Okotoks isn't in first, it's in the first. Uh, it's in the top three. Oh, I, I, I definitely would not put uh, uh, a number on that. Uh, there no, you wouldn't, lot. but I would. No. <laughs> I no, live here, and that's, that's fair. But I couldn't <laughs> deny that either. I, you know, like I, I, I can't. Uh, it's another can't confirm nor deny uh, yeah, politically or uh, or effectually like. You know, I, I can say that the reception that we had uh, from the East Coast through to Quebec, through to Ontario, we, uh, and into Nipawa, like there was always a community we were rolling into where we had a, now not every single community, obviously, because we're coming into many different places, but there was always at least one particular spot in each area that, uh, in each large region that we could use as a touchstone. Um, yeah, the the, you know, the, the I, welcome wagons that some of these towns put out is absolutely spectacular. The people lining the streets with uh, with their flags, and the the police escort is pretty amazing. Uh, Paul, uh, tell us the story of uh, the rush hour traffic in the Lower Mainland in Vancouver, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, from, and how we parted from, the Red uh, Sea. Going from going from Chilliwack uh, through Abbotsford into Vancouver, so uh, on the Trans Canada, that's an old drive for me. When I was uh, an air cadet back in the day, I used to do that drive every weekend or whenever I was out flying. So coming back and being in that gridlock traffic, and it was just that the RCMP did a phenomenal job uh, escorting us. They had the they had the vehicles ahead of us, and the, the cars were going to the outside. All the all the other uh, traffic was moving to the outside, and up we're rolling with almost well, it must have been a, a hundred bikes or so that we were coming through with so somewhere between 70 to 100 i don't have the head count for that day but it was just i was in the middle of the pack and it was just you know i'm looking ahead and i'm watching this happen and then i'm looking in my mirrors and i can see it still happening and it was just i've never i've never seen anything like that in uh 
uh, in heavy traffic, maybe aside from Highway to Heroes Ride in Ontario. It was six or seven lanes of traffic, and it was like the parting of the Red Sea. All the vehicles getting out of the way. My favorite part was uh, all the people that hate motorcycles that were driving Teslas, looking at us with disgust as all these uh, gas burpers were (laughs) were rolling rolling through and parting the middle. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. It was it was spectacular, and it was for me. It was heartwarming to see. So I, I had another piece, like I said, it's it's my hometown. So seeing that happen and watching the people get out of the way and uh, give that respect to a procession that's coming through and to the to the first responders that well, are leading the way. That, they, they didn't was, have was, they didn't have much choice. All those sirens it, well, and uh, lights that were spinning. You can stay right where you're to, or you can move <laughs> over. But again, it was still. It was good to see people doing what they should have done in the first place yeah. to allow us to come through and to respond to the police to allow that to happen. So it, it was, for me, it was a positive. I, I, oh, I saw that a couple of positives. So, um, you know, yeah. good on the people of Vancouver, of the great, of the GVRD and Abbotsford, Matsui area to, uh, to follow that lead and uh, uh, to let us have that, uh, that avenue to get into our final destination. So. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, there was a lot of wide eyes looking at us, and <laughs> that's where we need to get the message out a little bit more of who we are, you know, other than just a big group of bikes. And uh, yeah. that's why I'm glad to be here. So this, this helps get that word out. So. And uh, you wanted to mention who you are not as well. There's a group in Ottawa that has nothing to do with you. Well, it's it's not that we want to uh, to say that we're not part of that, but we have a we have a different mission and. Uh, uh, it, it got confusing. We had to we had to put a statement out. It wasn't comfortable to do, but we had to make a distinction for ourselves. We're not political. Um, we are trying to help people that are hurt, and that's our that's our main mission. That's it. Um, they have a political agenda that they're trying to do to make a change and carry on. That's that that's your wheelhouse. Yeah. The names so, are similar, and that's where it stops. And we had to make that distinction because it's. A protest. It's not a protest. There's other people that are involved that probably don't on both sides of whatever camp it is that uh, had problems. Uh, it, we can't be associated with that, and unfortunately. So just uh, just to be clear for the audience, because we haven't uh, said it out loud, Rolling Thunder, oh, roll, yeah, Rolling yeah. Rolling Thunder, that's in Ottawa, is not the same as the Rolling Barrage. There is no, no association. It's uh, a coincidental name. That's all it is. Yeah, um, they. However, they decided to come up with rolling. There is a Rolling Thunder in the U.S. that is a protest ride. To uh, it's been going on since the seventies, uh, I believe, or the eighties. I'd have to look up on their website, but it's uh, uh, trying to get uh, recognition for uh, the, uh, the war that they had in Vietnam and the people that fell uh, and that were hurt. Um, it's their protest against their government. Um, the Rolling Thunder, Ottawa. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's part of it or not. Uh, we, we didn't get into that, uh, but that's where they took their name from, uh, Rolling Thunder, Rolling Thunder. I don't know if that was sanctioned or not. Not our wheelhouse, not our problem. The Rolling Barrage was named after a artillery tactic uh, from World War One, and we use that in the same context as instead of trying to take a ridge, we're trying to, to beat PTSD uh, and, and that rolling component. The name Rolling is the only thing that's similar between the two of us. Um, the other factor too is there was a lot of there was a lot of politics about anti-police, and we have police in our midst. We support police officers uh, that are hurt from their duty, uh, and any of us who've done 
base defense force or uh, certain infantry groups have been trained for it as well and uh, you know what those people are going through on that line that are there they're called out to do a job you know if uh, a military member who's serving who's part of us gets called out to be on that line they're going to be toe-to-toe with somebody that they don't necessarily want to be with and we can't take a side on that so that's that's the bottom line for us uh, some people didn't like that but Fortunately, after our statement, the majority in the high 80 percentile, when we looked at what the posts were actually doing and looked at the true metrics of it, were in favor of the stance that we took uh, to insulate ourselves from any negative aspects or overflow that might have happened outside of those people's control or as part of their control. We don't know. Well, you gotta, you got to stay on after. mission, and that's the same yep. thing on this show. I, I have to yep. stay on mission, and uh, although yep. I'm going to be, I'm going to start doing bonus uh, episodes of just cool and interesting people. It has nothing to do with the trauma recovery, but I will label them as such. There, there won't be very many, but uh, I got a few yep. on my list that I really want to get on the show just to have a chat. Um, yep. What's the best? Now, how does somebody sign up for the Rolling Barrage, Paul? The uh, so our registrations haven't opened yet. We were going to have it first uh, of May. We're letting kind of the dust settle right now because of that confusion factor. So uh, we're aiming for the fifteenth of May. We're going to see how things uh, roll out. Um, but registrations will be live on our website. So www.therollingbarrage.com, uh, and there will be a register portion, uh, a button on the website that takes you to the uh, registration area, and you can select how many days you're going to go. There'll be an online form to fill out. Um, helps us with the uh, the data collection for the demographics. It also uh, allows uh, some waivers and some other aspects that are key to, to get put into that. Uh, you pay a, 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 a small fee uh, for administrative costs, uh, and there's three packages from three days, uh, uh, four to six, or yeah, four to six, and then seven and more, whether you're doing the full pole coast to coast or you're just going to do a week or two of it, your choice. Or a day. So, yeah. Ride for a single day if you want. Just do one leg. I always recommend you're paying for a uh, minimum is for three days. Uh, you, you can do it for a day if that's all your uh, your budget can allow for time. I just seriously recommend if you can get out for three days uh, to see what is actually happening. Otherwise, it's just a day ride. It's just going out and riding for a day, much like some of the other fundraisers, and you don't get the concept other than a big ride and a big group. Uh, you'll see a dedication. It'll have an impact. But when you see it for three days in a row, um, that's where that magic hits. We always recommend come out for the three days if you can. That's that's where it happens. Um, and this year, and I'm... This year, I'm probably going to be starting in Saskatoon, I'm thinking, because you guys are doing a different route. So I'll probably hook up in Saskatoon, go up to Fort McMurray, back down, and then end in Okotoks. But there's no way I'm not going to end in in Okotoks, uh, like do that Okotoks arrival, because that's one hell of a thing. I had had tears in my eyes last time and the time before. Yep, they... uh... They sure don't pull out any stops. And, uh, you know, uh, when we came through North Battleford last year, uh, all the emergency services uh, guided us in out of that region. So we had ambulances, fire trucks, and police cars. And I had to break off early for a miscalculation of fuel. And (laughs) when I caught up with the pack, uh, they were all at the stop, which was near a Timmy's. And as you're coming up, the lights were purple. It was like bright, intense purple from the mixing of the red, the blue, and the white. Yeah. 
and it looked like some massive incident had happened and it was just all the flashing lights of the support vehicles that had that had uh, arrived there and it was just the fire trucks with the cross ladders oh the fire trucks with the cross ladders just incredible yeah now as the rolling barrage is coming from east to west uh there is one veteran slash first responder who's on foot going from west to east chad kennedy on the c2c for ptsd tour um also raising doing what you're doing but doing it with the toehill express and uh are you going to be connecting with uh chad are you going to try to coordinate that so there's a there's a bit of background with uh, with Chad. So we actually supported Chad for some uh, for a program that he uh, that he had gone into uh, to tr- uh, to try and further his help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've already got a bit of a rapport with him. Um, we're going to be meeting him in uh, I believe it's in central Ontario uh, around the North Bay. I think we're going to meet up with him coming out of Toronto, going up to North Bay, somewhere in that region. Well, we're coming out of Barrie. Aurelia area up to North Bay. Somewhere in there is where we're going to connect with him. So we're looking forward to it. We've uh, we've we've spoken with him already, and we've been in contact with him. We're looking forward to uh, uh, to seeing him. We support his uh, uh, his trek. Uh, uh, there's many of us uh, in our midst that have used boots to uh, as their primary mo- mode of transport. Uh, I did Nijmegen in 2009. It's a four day march with a twenty pound uh, with a twenty kilo ruck. Uh, for 40 kilometers a day. Um, I didn't cross the whole country, but I sure lost toenails on that one. And it's <laughs> very, you're walking a marathon. So yeah. I have all the respect and admiration for what he's uh, taking it on. I'm at the point in my life, I'm going to do it with a motorcycle. So, Well, before uh, all this kicks off, we'll have you back on again, Paul. And hopefully without that buzzing in the background, I do apologize to my audience. Hopefully it's not as bad to the audience as it is to me with these headphones. But um, uh, Mr. Harmon, thank you so much for for what you do. And I'm definitely looking forward to the ride to join again for the fourth or fifth year in a row. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, we're looking forward to actually getting in touch with you, Mark, and uh, being uh, face-to-face and riding again. We had a chance to talk last year on the ride briefly, and my, my time is so committed, but I, I get to see some, some re-friends, as, uh, as I like to, to mention, to, to get in uh, touch with those people that I've seen before, and it's uh, looking forward to seeing you on the ride in Alberta. And well, I got, I got so. new, snake, new sneakers on the bike, and I'm ready to rock, so awesome. I'm even ready awesome. for the corners this year. Perfect, perfect. Looking forward to it. All right. Harm, stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels because sharing is caring.